Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Hi everyone, Jason here. I'm excited to bring you our new series called Healing From Here. With all the deep social unrest that we're experiencing right now, there are so many questions we face as a community. Where does wellness go from here? How can we create real, meaningful, long-lasting change that ultimately builds a more inclusive community? How can we, as individuals, make our own contributions? How can we collectively heal? In this series, we'll be talking to minority leaders in the wellness world as we look to answer these very questions. We are all in this together. You, we, all. Shaman Derek is a sixth-generation shaman, author of the bestseller Spirit Hacking, Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your Personal Power, Transform Yourself, and Light Up the World. And he's the subject of our short documentary film titled Healers. Add to all that, he's the best hugger in the world. Yes, no matter what you believe in, guys, I swear by his hugs. They are incredible, and I look forward to getting a hug when we're all done with social distancing someday. It is an honor to have Shaman back on this podcast. Shaman Derek, welcome. It is so wonderful to see you and hear your voice. Hallelujah. Welcome back. Thank you, brother. It's so good to see you as well. It's been too long. And uh, you're a father of another amazing soul that you brought into this world. So congratulations. Thank you. Dearly. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Two little girls, three and a half and one now. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) yes, yes. When you have the second one, it's like, whoa, okay. This is, uh, this is, this is a lot. Uh, but, but everyone's happy and healthy. So we're, we're very, very grateful. And, uh, so thank you. Thank you for, for checking in. So, uh, you are prolific on Instagram and very inspiring, especially now. And I'm going to start with just something you shared recently, uh, which I really love. So I'm just going to share, share a part of it. Um, you said, and I quote, if you can't see through the eyes of love, you can't see it all. Love is the only thing that can see everything. I, you know, I'll, I'll say I love that. Uh, <laughs> c- can you unpack that for us and, and what you were trying to articulate? Yes, of course. So, you know, in an African shamanism, we have this belief that when you judge someone, you're never judging them. You're only perceiving your own reality of your perception. So we say in African culture, you're blind. So in villages in Africa and, and in, in a lot of, you know, in um, most where my family comes from, which is from West Africa and from Haiti, my grandmother used to always say when we were young, if you're judging someone, you're blind. So you're a blind child. So basically the only place where you can truly see where you're not putting your own idea of what you think something is based on the very limited information that you have available to you is through love. So when you love someone, you're able to see, you're able to see with, with clear eyes because you're not looking at 
the colors and labels. You're not looking at conditions such as how much money they have or what they've achieved or any of these things. You're looking from the eyes of love. And when you look from the eyes of love, you can see everything. So you, you know, and I always tell people, if you love people, you can see it and you can understand it because love gives you the clear, the clear ability to see. But when you judge someone, you are blind. And a lot of times what's happened in our world is that we have all these blind people walking around thinking they, they are actually saying something that is actually valuable to what they see and what they perceive. And what they understand is that you can't project your perception onto me because that's your perception. So you'll never see me. You'll never know me because you won't be able to see because all you can see is the information that your brain is telling you to perceive in the world. And that's what I mean by that. And love is the opposite of hate. Yes, and well, hate is it's fear, and you know, it's what it is. And so with regards to, to judgment, uh, how, do, how, how do we get out of that? It feels like a vicious cycle for a lot of people. Well, people judge because they don't have enough information. So I always tell people when you're judging, it's because you don't have the information. So you're afraid. So you're going into fear. And so judgment is your protection mechanism. To, so you don't have to go into the unknown and actually engage or get the information that's lacking, that's actually causing you to begin the fear in the first place. So as human beings, you know, the reason why we act in this way is because we haven't been given emotional intelligence in our, in our uh, upbringing and school in the way that we've been learning through these institutions. So because we don't have emotional intelligence, we don't engage as a culture of people and as a society to learn more about things that we're afraid of or learn more from the people that we are uh, on not secure with or we don't understand them so we just go into a place of judgment and fear and this is what's causing it so th there's a lot of anger out there there's a lot of sadness out there and, and rightfully so but you can't run on anger forever you can't run on sadness forever and there needs to be healing and when i think of healing i think of you know healers you know we did a short documentary about you called healers and look you're, you're a healer you're you're a sixth generation shaman so it's a big question it's a loaded question but how how do we heal from here i think the thing is to understand what we think about healing what true healing is because the understanding of true healing is being able to um, acknowledge another person. You know, uh, Nelson Mandela said it best. He said, you can never free yourself from your chains unless you free someone else from their own. And that's where the true healing begins. And so it's the ability to start going into a space of sharing information that is actually giving our species a chance at, at, at thriving and evolving into a new consciousness. And to be able to do that, we have to educate ourselves first. We have to ask questions and we have to get out of the idea of shaming and blaming and naming. Because when we do that, we are actually limiting the healing process and we're staying in a cyclical field of just you know, being stuck with the, I, it's your fault, it's my fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, trying to shut each other up. And that's what the system wants. It wants to pit us against each other to create enough chaos, enough uh, division, so they can continue to keep, you know, us in oppression and, and then continue to do whatever they want to do on a power level for, you know, and the thing is we as people are intelligent enough 
and we are smart enough. And what we have to do is we have to, you know, we have to we have to hold strong to love no matter what we see, no matter what we hear. And anger, all anger is, is just one level up from being hurt. And so when we look at anger with the greatest leaders in the world, Martin Luther King was a very angry man, but he turned his anger into love and passion to bring civil rights. But what we have on the planet is not civil rights for for colored people. What we need is we got the civil rights available from Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King. Let me just uh, reiterate that. But we don't have human rights. And so as long as I walk on this planet, I'm always in threat of someone taking my life. I'm always at this edge of like, okay, I have to work a little bit more harder than a light-skinned person to get seen, to get heard, to get known in bringing information and knowledge and wisdom that comes from our ancestry to the forefront to help people to grow in their evolution as well. So I think there's a, there's a point where we have to understand that civil rights, Dr. Martin Luther King did an amazing job at civil rights, but human rights is a real issue right now on the planet. And that's something that colored people are thriving to one day have. So we have to engage the conversation through education. We have to start engaging other people of color and asking them about their culture. Because look, I'm not here to blame white people because like my girlfriend said, she was born into this system. And so she didn't even know it existed, white privilege, this thing, that thing. You don't know that it is until you're educated that it exists because you're born into it. So you weren't the one who put the rope around my ancestors' necks. So stop letting people put you into the shame and blame and let's get out of that, you know, cancel culture nonsense. And let's get into how do we love greater and how do we turn our anger into fuel to propel ourselves into creating change, real change that's noticeable and and for our planet and for our species so that we can thrive and have um and and one day be able to be done with all of this amen to that i love everything you said (laughs) (laughs) i i do i do and i think you know the the naming and the blaming you know it is i think it is part of the process if you will of like because there's there's a lot going on and there's systemic racism you know the government's like we could go there's just so much effed up and there's so much that needs to happen and uh, but at the same time you know there, there needs to be a path forward and you know I, 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 I love your focus on love uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hope guy as I said you know I'm a hope guy I'm an optimistic guy I'm, I'm a love guy um, you know sure I get angry everyone gets angry but I, I'm not an angry guy um, so what can you know our community the wellness community do better here i think that the wellness community i mean from my point of view it's been a challenge i remember back when i first started presenting shamanism to the world there was only one person who was with me in the early 90s doing that it was light walk-ins and light and i used to make jokes because it was so challenging to get heard to have a voice be heard because of the, the fact that we are you know um melanated um brothers in in this world you know it was like we want to say something no one wants hear us they'd rather hear from the light-skinned person you know the white man or the white girl about wellness and what's this but yet the all of the different colors they're taking from our cultures a lot of the 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 levels of of what it means to nurture yourself and take care of yourself and all these things originated from a lot of african indian you know um you know all these different cultures in the world and yet 
we don't have a voice to speak about it. And so what we found is that we had to really build ourselves up to even get recognized by someone in the wellness community and say, here, let us give you a platform to share your knowledge, your teachings, the information that you have from your lineages, lineage, lineages that, that have been brought forward through you to speak. So where the wellness world has to understand is that the wellness world is really whitewashed. And a lot of people in color know this. And we're not, we're not trying to pretend that it's not. What we have to understand is the reason why it's whitewashed is because, again, it's about that system. It hasn't, it's like, it's something a friend of mine said the other day, my friend Milana said, you know, there's a girl who, you know, she was talking to and never, ever acknowledged her ever at any wellness events, never came up to her and said, hey, it's nice to meet you. No, like I've been to so many wellness events. I can tell you a handful of people who don't come up to me unless I approach them and talk to them about healing and shamanism. And it's because it's that nature of it's like still feeling that color people have, which is, do I belong here? Am I okay to have a voice here? And it's up for the wellness community to say, yes, we, we, you do have a voice. We want to hear from you. We want to learn about your ways and, 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 and understand them more and see more diversity coming from Peruvians and Africans and, and, and people who are coming from different, um, you know, uh, different um, color races to come in and share from the Latino community, the Latin community. Community. There's all of these beautiful teachings and awarenesses of how to self-care and how to honor ourselves that we're not seeing in the wellness community. And it's because the people who are in the wellness community, majority are white. And they don't open the doors for us unless we like really get a lot of people to like us. And they're like, oh, OK, well, let's bring you in and share your information instead of saying, hey, we would love to open up a platform for your knowledge and wisdom and how, what does that look like? And let's engage in a conversation to make that happen. And I think that if we start doing that, you're also gonna improve the benefit of all these colored communities because the colored communities feel so complete. There's such a demographic of people who are not benefiting from all the wellness leaders and all the wellness platforms that are available because there's all these colors that are like, hey, I don't see anyone of my color there that is all but one. I see like the token black or the token Latino, but I don't see the person who's there um, in like two or threes who are there sharing knowledge. So I'm not going to pay attention and I'm going to go where I feel more wanted. And that has to change because we feel so excluded. And like I was talking to Reverend Michael Bethwick. I talked to Light Watkins. I talked to Milana Snow. I talked to a lot of the people, you know, who are in it. Even my friend Koya Webb, we just had a conversation about it. We've had to really pound the ground to get heard and build. And it could have been so much more easier if people who, uh, who were of lighter skin complexion who were white and were like, hey, who are you? How are you? I would love to talk to you. Let's let's get together. Let's learn from each other. And 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 that way we can make something great for the people. And so, you know, there, there are so many people out there, you know, who want to help, want to do the work, want to make a difference. Um, and but don't know where to start, maybe afraid to start. They're, they're afraid of the naming, blaming, and, and, and just, they just, they become paralyzed. And Hill Harper, we had in the, the podcast, I asked him this very question. I'm like, what advice do you have for those people? And he was like, well, the one thing you can do is nothing. Like doing nothing right now is just unacceptable. You have to do something. And he said, you know, find what, what makes your heart light up? What makes you light up? Find that and do that. It doesn't have to be big. It could be anything. But like, what, what are your thoughts on advice for people listening who, who, who want to get involved, who 
something I've said, you know, this is a moment, but this moment is becoming a movement and it's big and it's important. And then how do we make this movement a shift, a shift being a permanent state? So moment, movement, shift. So one, what's your advice for people who, who, who just want, want to help? And then two, like, you know, big picture, take a step back. Like, how do you want this to become a shift? So, you know, I understand where Hill is, um, where he's coming from. I understand where he's coming from in the perspective because Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King's favorite um, speech was how it's not about the person who's racist because we already know they exist and we've heard what they've had to say our whole life since we were children. Um, and it's not about the person who is not who's who's um, doing something. It's about the person who does nothing because they know something's wrong and they're not doing it. And that was, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King's um, statement. But what I would say to that is I think it's great that people choose to do something, but I have a different take on it. And my take is educate yourself first. Learn what kind of resources you have available. Are you a person who's, you know, what is your resource? Because you see, you can be a wise person um, and you can bring wisdom into people's lives. But if that wisdom wasn't meant to be there, then it doesn't affect the impact that it could have. You see, knowledge is just knowledge. But where it becomes strong wisdom that is impactful and where you actually see change is when it's inserted at the right time, at the right place, in the right way for people to hear. And so what I've always learned in life is that whenever I speak or share, if I'm talking, wherever I'm at in the world, I always look at the people I'm speaking to. I engage with where they are in their evolution. Not everyone thinks the same. And so what we have to understand that, because a lot of times people have this mentality that everyone thinks the same. And so everyone should do the same and everyone should act the same and everyone should march and everyone should do this. And that is not how it's going to make a change. Revolution of the past of marching in the 60s and 70s is got to be different from then to now because the system has already seen that. So they're now using more divisive techniques to keep us in disarray. And that's why you see like cops jumping and breaking windows and stuff and saying, here, there's the Gucci right there. Why don't you go and get it? And said, what we have to do is we have to start being really conscious. And consciousness starts first by being aware of yourself. Who are you? And what is your resource? What do you have to bring your voice to, your love to, your passion to, your purpose to? And it has to be authentic. It cannot be something contrived because your best friend or your neighbor or the mailman or some Karen or whoever is telling you, you better do this and you do that because that's forced and that's not authentic. And therefore, the knowledge that is going to be presented is going to fall flat. So what we have to look at is true, authentic action and true, authentic action. You know, I love a, a beautiful thing that Mandela said is that you cannot take action. You can't take true action if you don't feel it. You have to feel it. And that means that it has to have some meaning for you. Your meaning may not be what someone else's meaning is to find the meaning that works for you you and then move in that direction so that that path that you walk is an authentic one and that is not going to fall on 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 deaf ears i love it uh my last question for you you know wearing your shaman hat which i know you always wear it is a, it's a big <laughs> big beautiful powerful black hat the shaman hat that you wear um what you know what is your hope for us spiritually how how do we come out of this spiritually? I, you know, my vision for humanity is to really deconstruct 
the nonsense that we continue to put ourselves into when it comes to these things that you see, these social political issues, these things that are showing up. You know, I talk about it in my book, the spirit hacking book that I put out there worldwide. Thank God it's been accepted in so many countries of the world. And some countries banned it because it was too much for them to to be able to take in. But we understand and What I talk about in the book is that this is the time of the blackout. This is a choice point for humanity to course correct ourselves by the way we think. And all of our suffering comes from malfunction thinking. When we think against ourselves and our brothers and sisters, against nature and against everything that hurts us because we're not using our intelligence in in the right way. The way for us to move forward is to one, realize that that sexism, racism, all of these things that we keep putting our attention to are symptoms of a bigger illness. The illness is not in those things. Those are symptoms. When you go to a doctor and they look at symptoms and then they give you medicine based on those symptoms. When you go to a functional medicine doctor, they look at the cause of those symptoms. We are not looking at the cause of our symptom as a species of why we think it's okay to destroy our own resources, why we think it's okay to divide each other, to, to, uh, to, to, to get mad at each other for being different, to hate each other, to go to war with our own people, to, you know, to be mad at someone because they believe and observe God differently than you do, and someone looks different than you do, or someone chooses to be with the same sex, everything is wrong and not right, so let's battle, let's go to war. Where is the sickness inside of this vacuous hole that we keep contributing to that nothing is ever to make us happy? We can have a car, a house, children. We can have we can have friends. We can have this, and still we're not satisfied. Maybe we need millions of dollars, and then we get it. We're still not satisfied. Where is the satisfaction in spirit? And that comes from the inner understanding that our our need for validation and our need for love has been misplaced. And what we've been becoming is a codependent society looking for acknowledgement from others for what we achieve and what we have instead of learning how to build a relationship with our spirit. And once we decide to build a relationship with our spirit, you know, shamanism is not based in plant medicine or ayahuasca or boga or peyote. The deep core of shamanism in every culture, in every tribe, from the Sami people to African to Peruvian to Native American to Eskimo is the same relationship. Relationship to the food you eat, relationship to your community, relationship to yourself, relationship to your ancestors, relationship to your friends, relationship to nature, relationship to animals, relationship to the planet. And when you have what we call a loving, unconditional relationship with these elements, you live your best life. And that is what I would like to see for humanity. A, a more loving, unconditional relationship with everything. Amen. We'll close there. A powerful close. I love it. We love you. Thank you, Shaman Durek. I love you, darling. Thank you. Thank you.